Well, hello everyone, and welcome to a very special Insight Peterborough. So special because it is Thanksgiving morning, or afternoon, I guess, now that we've uh, crossed from a.m. to p.m. But happy Thanksgiving to uh, everyone, and uh, I do appreciate the fact that you're allowing me to come into your home and uh, chat with you uh, and um, bring my guests along with me. We promise that we will not stay for turkey dinner or ham dinner, thank you very much. But uh, we do appreciate the fact that you're giving us an hour of your time. So, uh, yes, this, this is actually the second Monday in October, the first Monday in October, well, I was here, and I, I, I brought you an um, episode of Insight Peterborough, but for some reason, I should have been talking with Kim Kilpatrick, featuring uh, our monthly uh, technology get-together, called Get-Together with Kim. But uh, I didn't. Uh, it uh, escaped me entirely. So we are going to do that today, but first, while we definitely have your attention, I want you to hear an interview that I did with Doug Earle, Executive Director of Fighting Blindness Canada, and he and I talked a little bit about the progress that researchers have been making but we really want you to hear about a fundraiser, a virtual fundraiser that they're doing uh, this coming, uh, actually, let me say, they're doing on the October 17th. So um, if you're listening to this on Thanksgiving morning, which of course you are, then it will be this coming Saturday. Uh, so... Um, here is my uh, chat with Doug. Hi there, Doug, and welcome again to the program. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Good. You have been uh, very busy over the uh, course of the summer, probably planning a fundraiser called uh, Comedy from the Couch. And I, I do want to talk to you about that. But first of all, let's just review for our audience what is uh, Fighting Blindness Canada? Well, the Fighting Blindness Canada is the largest funder of vision research in Canada. Our goal is to accelerate research to uh, lead to new treatments and cures for blindness. Uh, and and a part of that is that Canadians can have access to those new treatments as well. Uh, so we have sort of a fund research, develop those new treatments, and make sure that Canadians who could benefit from those new treatments have access to that, those treatments. Now, do these new treatments, uh, are they developed uh, uh, around the world and, and then you uh, find out about them and try to bring them to Canada? Well, we, we uh, fund research uh, primarily in Canada, but we, uh, but we do, uh, uh, because of a couple of competitions, we do fund in the United States and other parts of the world as well. We're quite involved. We're members of the Association for Research in Vision and Ophthalmology, 
coma. Mm-hmm. We're, we're very engaged uh, in trying to uh, support research and trying to follow the treatment progressing, progression from research discovery to actual uh, clinical trials, which is the research side of making sure the treatment works, to when they're actually getting approved around the world and hopefully in Canada. So we, we have an example right now with an innovative gene therapy that, is, that was in part uh, some of the research we funded. Uh, it did directly lead to this uh, uh, treatment uh, being approved by the U.S. Uh, FDA. Uh, back in December 2017, and right now uh, we're eagerly awaiting Health Canada to finalize its decision whether or not this this gene therapy would be available and approved as a treatment in Canada, and we're expecting that in days. Now, what disease would this treatment be uh, appropriate for? It's the first uh, site-restoring treatment for an inherited retinal disease. Targeting one of the over 280 genes that have uh, that are causing blindness because of inherited blinding eye disease. Uh, so it is targeting the RPE65 gene, uh, which is, which uh, is a clinical diagnosis for LCA or uh, retinitis pigmentosa. Ah, okay. Are there several types of retinitis pigmentosa? Yes, there's about 80 genes oh that we've discovered today that are causing the various clinical diagnoses of, of retinitis pigmentosa. But for us, this, this first gene therapy is so exciting because it sets the precedent. It, it shows the research, why the, why the families came together to form Fighting Blindness Canada back in 1974, that, that when there was no treatments, we didn't understand the biology, we didn't understand the role that genes played, that now fast forward to 2020, this very significant year for eyesight, that we're able to be able to to take a a malfunctioning gene, target it, deliver that uh, gene that functions uh, directly to the area of the eye that that where it's it's important, and that we're able, and we're seeing, uh, discovering through the basic science and the clinical trial, that 90% of the people in the phase three clinical trial had their night vision restored. Wow. Isn't that too... For 70%, for 70% it was 100% restored. Wow. That, that's just, just amazing that, uh, that once we get that functioning gene uh, into the eye, uh, that it does its job, produces the protein, which enables the, the photoreceptors and cones to do their job. That's just that's, that's awesome. Oh, it's certainly... It's a precedent. A guess. It's a precedent. And that's why it's so important that not only is it approved by Health Canada, but that each provincial government will pay for the treatment so that we can say when there's the new gene therapies that we're tracking for inherited retinal diseases for AMD uh, with the gene therapy that's being uh, used uh, right now in clinical trials in humans, research discovery has moved from the lab into humans, where they are able to uh, uh, access, use the precedence of this gene therapy and say, fund this one too. Right. Because that kind of treatment must be very expensive, is it? Uh, well, we don't know the price yet in Canada. That, that's an agency called the Patent Medicine Price Review Board. Mm-hmm. That's their job to set the ceiling. And then the company negotiates with each of the provinces uh, 
United States, it's 850,000 U.S. to get both eyes done. Ouch. And in the U.K., in uh, the pound sterling, if you converted it to Canadian, it's about uh, 1.2 million. Oh, my so goodness. It's a one-time treatment. And and so far, the evidence has shown that, that the, uh, the, the very first people in the first uh, safety trial, uh, they, uh, so that was about seven years now, uh, eight years ago, that they received the treatment. They're still having the same benefits uh, of, of the gene therapy uh, in the since seven years. So nothing has changed for them. Uh, those functioning cells are still working. Those genes are still working. They're producing the proteins, and, and all of the vision gain that happened has, has remained consistent. So we're, we're quite hopeful that it's a, this is a lifetime treatment, right. a one-time uh, treatment. So, yes, it is expensive. There's very few people, unfortunately, that in, in, our, in the 20,000 Canadians living with an inherited retinal disease that uh, can benefit. But, but, uh, but it's, it's the first. It's the precedent, and we're very excited with the rapid rate of uh, these clinical trials growing, and that, that Fighting Blindness Canada played a role to bring uh, clinical trials to Canada. We have nine trials up and running right now. Terrific. Primarily in Montreal, but across the country, in Toronto and uh, in uh, Edmonton and in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but we're, we're very hopeful that now that, now that we've uh, we played a little bit of a role to, to provide uh, the support needed to accelerate uh, bringing these clinical trials to Canada, and we're hopeful that uh, that these trials will be successful, and and that uh, the Canadians can have their sight restored. For sure. Now, when they, when people get this gene therapy, um, do they have to be on? You know how people like when they get transplants, they have to be on medication for the rest of their lives to. Uh, prevent uh, rejection. Uh, Do people who get this gene therapy have to be on medication the rest of their lives? No. Good. Uh, It's it's a little different, uh, the gene therapy, than a transplant because it's a large organ, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is is right down to the the cell, (laughs) or a gene, actually. Yeah. So what what it's doing is it's... uh, Using a, a viral vector, which is a virus, uh, a bad word right now. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, science has uh, eliminated all. It's a dead virus, but it but it still acts the same way as, as we know. Um, the viruses are very effective uh, effective at, at transmitting stuff. Awesome. What it what it takes is the gene, and and it uses this virus to deliver it to cells in your eye. And then the virus brings the gene into the cell, and and then the, the gene starts functioning. Terrific. It starts it starts uh, getting the cell to do what it's supposed to do, uh, which is produce the protein uh, that that is used as to keep your uh, photoreceptors and cones healthy. Yes. So it's so it's a part. It's a, it's smaller than a cell. Uh, this gene that uh, that does the job. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it's good that it's uh, only a one-time treatment. Yes, yeah, it's it's very exciting. I mean, that this this is why we're very uh, you know we're we're convinced that Health Canada will will announce in a few days that that this is uh, approved. 
Wonderful. And, you know, and, and it's great that, you know, it's been three years since the United States uh, approved this first targeted gene therapy for any disease known to humankind, uh, which is tremendous that it's in the eye, uh, that, uh, that it's, you know, it's taken three years to get that treatment here. And we're, we're of course, at Fighting Blindness Canada and, and other health charities are concerned about access to future treatments and uh, encourage the federal government. They're, they're working on that, that path of medicine price review board and, and suggesting we're just waiting for new guidelines to come out that we're, we're quite concerned that, uh, that these regulated regulations uh, would, would deny Canadians access to this innovative medicine, and, and we're encouraging the federal government to ensure the balance is right. We all, we all want good cases. We all want the health system to be sustainable, um, but, but we also want at the right balance so that the Canadians can access these innovative medicines. And, I, and we're, we're just haven't received those reassurances from the federal government that in the future um, that the, the, price, the whole mechanisms around how Health Canada reviews the, the, the uh, drugs, how, how the uh, uh, Path and Medicines Price Review Board sets the price and, and the negotiations that, and, and each of the provinces that adopt uh, you know, consider and hopefully adopt the innovative uh, treatment onto the onto the drug benefit plan. So there's no economic barriers for Canadians to access these innovative medicines, and we're hoping that in the next uh, few uh, weeks and months that the government would provide a greater assurance to the Canadians that they can access innovative medicines in the future with these regulatory changes they're considering. That would be terrific. I sure hope so. Now, toward that end, you have uh, planned a fundraiser for October 17th called Comedy from the Couch. Can you uh, explain how that's going to work? Sure. Well, uh, as we uh, talked earlier in, in, uh, in the year, COVID had a dramatic impact on many or all of us. But, uh, but in particular, uh, the healthcare sector, and, and we're facing a million-dollar gap uh, in our research funding that you know, we're trying very hard, our researchers are working very hard to keep, uh, keep uh, moving forward uh, the research. Our, uh, so, so we've taken all of the comment uh, vision and last comments that we were organizing in Montreal, all across the country, and we, we've created this virtual uh, comedy from the couch. Uh, it's not going to be the same as what we do uh, in person, unfortunately, but, but it is going to be a great uh, night. And, of course, uh, given 2020 and, and the pandemic, I think we need a few laughs. Um, I think you would agree, Kevin? Oh, uh, so we call you the good laugh uh, right now. Yes. Um, and comedy from the couch uh, is being hosted by Steve Patterson, who, uh, of course, is the host of... The debaters. debaters. Mm-hmm. You see, again, yeah. So he, he's uh, one of the original comedians, the Canadian talent that was featured by Singleness Canada at the competition. Uh-huh. And, and what, what he has done is he is uh, has put reached out to all the alumni of uh, the two years of comedy uh, competition and and asked them to come share share a, a video clip. Uh, or a story uh, uh, that that happened in their career, uh, and and, and Steve's going to talk to them about uh, what what was the 
time person. So what was happening that day? Why did you come up with that uh, that punchline? And uh, and we're we're you know and of course Steve uh, and and all these uh, comedians uh, Canadian talents will uh, will be entertaining us uh, again. And of course, all for a good cause. That's the fun vision research and accelerate the discovery of treatments and treatments. Mm-hmm. How many uh, comedians do you expect uh, will be taking part? Yeah, we've got about uh, five percent uh, lined up. There's still, there's still, you know, it's a it's a special event. We're still working on the agenda. Uh, we're uh, kicking off with a. Um, It sure would. Uh, now, how can uh, people go uh, about getting a ticket? individual tickets and how much would the tables be?
Uh-huh. Okay. And we have an additional contest giveaway ticket of 10 bucks if you want to take part in that as well. Oh, okay. Is there a deadline for, well, of course, next Saturday, or at least uh, the 17th, but yeah. uh, is it... If you're buying, if you're buying uh, like a prayer box, for example, uh, we've got some uh, people that have donated stocks, nice stocks for 10, the cocktail napkins and plates and stuff like that. So we really need you to purchase by the 15th so we can carry it out for Saturday delivery uh, across the country. Okay. Uh, but you can, you can uh, buy tickets, uh, uh, individual tickets, uh, up on Friday, and then and we'll email, email out. The unique hero, uh, the login to access the show. Mm -hmm. Of course, you know, it, uh, we, it is going to be recorded and it'll be available for the week. So if you're not able to watch it on Saturday at 8 o'clock, um, you can touch it uh, for Oh, well, that's good. Very yeah. flexible. Mm -hmm. not, not everyone, you know, can, uh, can make themselves available. That, that really is the wonder of uh, virtual. One, you know, the, there's no. Uh, travel barrier now because uh, you could watch it from your own home uh, versus when we had in-person events. And it does allow us to be flexible to your schedule uh, with this recording that you could watch up to the week after the event. Yes. Well, that's good. And then are you uh, are you planning to sell recordings of of this afterwards or? No, we, uh, we would not have the right. Um, ah. But from the, um, from the folks that uh, have uh, the, the talent. Right, um, okay. So, uh, like Erica Sergensen is one of Vancouver's most sought-after comedians, mm -hmm. uh, and she's a public visual diet, uh, and she's going to join us and share her favorite uh, comedy moments uh, and then chat with you. And then Arthur Simonian uh, is another unique voice. Uh, we have uh, this one of the stars, Mark, from this hour has, That's for sure. Yeah. So that once again, it's comicvision.com, and uh, you're hoping that people will have bought their tickets by uh, Thursday the 15th. Yeah. Yeah. Terrific. Is there anything else I should be asking you about, Doug? Uh, I, I wanted to just share yesterday was World Big Day, October uh, 8th. And uh, we released uh, a social economic um, report on what is the cost of illness mm -hmm. with living with an inherent retinal disease. Uh, and and uh, so we, we engaged Retin International uh, with uh, getting uh, Fighting for Plain Blindness in the U.S. and Fighting Blindness Canada and some industry partners came together to, uh, to do this study. Uh, $1.6 billion is the cost of living with inherited retinal diseases in Canada for the 20,000 Canadians that are living with those conditions. 
Wow. Yes. So, so these new innovative treatments are so critical, and we hope that we continue to have access for, uh, for them, uh, and that the health Canada the, and the provincial government and the press, uh, the Path and Medicine Price Review Board will ensure that the balance is right, um, that, that we can get access early, not have to wait many years, and that it's at a price we could afford, but also that we have access to them. Right. Well, we wish all of that, all of that you can find on gettingblindness.ca. Okay. And up for a monthly newsletter, and uh, they can keep abreast of the latest discoveries and treatments and what we're doing to ensure Canadians have access to these innovative medicines. I've been getting your um, monthly newsletter, and uh, it sounds very exciting, the uh, things that are taking place. Yeah, it, it's just amazing. Uh, you know, we, we have clinical trials happening around the world and in Canada. Uh, with uh, targeting fractures 2A, um, targeting uh, the different genes. And, uh, you know, I, I just spoke with a biotech that started up in uh, Victoria that's targeting Stargardt. Oh. Um, you know, the, the first gene therapies uh, for AMD, uh, the first in human stem cells uh, for in the United States happened uh, this year. Uh, for AMD, and of course we have the Linden project happening um, uh, in uh, Moorfield Hospital as in the United Kingdom with a stem cell project for AMD, where, where it's just outstanding very early um, phase one safety trials that showing amazing results. So it, it, it's a moment in time where uh, this uh, you know sort of science theory is becoming science reality with new treatments for people. And uh, we're we're very excited to find blindness Canada, but thanks to our our donors, because we're entirely privately funded, uh, that, that people can uh, that, that we're able to play a role to increase the number of clinical trials that are in Canada, uh, thanks to the leadership of, of uh, doctors like Elise on at Sick Kids and and Rob who's at the Israel Children's Hospital in in Edmonton at, at Royal Alex and. Uh, Joanna Robitaille at the IKA Children's Hospital in Halifax. You know, they're, they're leading the way. Dr. Uh, Jane Green got the order of Canada for her work in, in identifying uh, uh, genes affecting blindness uh, from Newfoundland. So it, it's, been, uh, it's been an amazing period of time. It's just so exciting. Uh, uh, Dr. Kudenkoop, uh, when I first met him, and he said, I, you know, I, I want to do... I want to spend, uh, he said, I have spent the last 15 years of my career telling parents that their child has an inherited retinal disease, that there's nothing I can do. Mm-hmm. I, want, and he, I want to spend the next 10 years, my, my last 10 years of my career, saying I have a treatment. That's wonderful. So it was, it was a no-brainer for us to, uh, to invest in his uh, clinical trial program to remove a barrier that, that was holding him back. From, from uh, maximizing the number of trials he could handle. And uh, we're so pleased that um, you know, he went from having uh, one or two trials back behind him to now having nine trials available. Wow, that's terrific. So you just go to hidingblindness.ca, sign up for our newsletter, and you can keep abreast of all these great, uh, great things that are happening in this special moment of time as research is turning into treatments and, and uh, holding the promise Yes. 
and then you can go to publicvision.com and buy your ticket. And help help accelerate that research. That's right. That's right. That's the Thanks so much, Doug, for chatting with us, and I'm sure we'll chat at different times uh, along the way and find out how you're doing. Thanks so much. Thank you for your support and having me on your show. So that should be a very interesting comedy from the couch. Wonderful name for a fundraiser. As I mentioned, I do have uh, our chat, our monthly chat with Kim Kilpatrick, who is with Get Together With Technology, a a wing of the Canadian Council of the Blind. And I forgot to mention earlier that Insight Peterborough is a project of the Peterborough chapter of the Canadian Council of the Blind. And uh, that if you want more information about uh, CCB and the kinds of things that we do, all you have to do is send an email to ccbpeterborough at gmail.com. ccbpeterborough at gmail.com. Uh, but another facet of the CCB is get together with technology. And this time, Kim Kilpatrick and I talk about the pros and cons of using conferencing platforms for events like um, the uh, annual general meeting of Guide Dog Users of Canada, which I attended uh, a couple of weeks ago, or the uh, Alliance for Equality of Blind Canadians. This time, Kim went to Connecting the Dots, and she'll tell you what that was all about and uh, how, how useful conferencing platforms like Zoom are. There are definitely pros and cons. So uh, we're in for a long chat, so sit back and enjoy. Well, hi there, Kim, and welcome back to the program. How are you doing? Hi, I'm fine. How are you doing? I'm good. Uh, early, early pre-Thanksgiving. Yes. Whatever the, time people hear it, maybe it is Thanksgiving. It will be Thanksgiving Day when uh, people hey. hear this. Yeah. So happy Thanksgiving to you, too. Yeah, it's a strange one. I know. Oh, oh, definitely different than what we're used to, that's for sure. You've been very busy this past couple of days with a, a conference called... Uh, Connecting the dots. Well, was that? Um, what is that? And did you find that uh, interesting and exciting? Well, connecting the dots uh, used to be called the Braille Conference. So some people might remember that if they are, have been longtime um, clients of CMID or, or in the blind community for a long time. Um, and last year, they changed the title to Connecting the Dots because they sort of expanded it, not just Braille, but there's things about employment and technology and education. And it was in Toronto, and I did go to the to the actual in-person conference last year um, and presented on something. I can't remember what I presented on. But uh, so... Um, they have, 
some keynote speeches, and then there's usually three or four different workshops you can go to each session. So there was uh, one each morning and then three each afternoon. So there's all together, you know, four on each day that you could go to. And they also have, which I really love about connecting the dots, they have a, a Braille uh, writing contest for kids. Super. And and the kids read their their poems and essays and stories, and I always really love that because it's so great, especially the little tiny kids. Like yeah. some of the stuff they come up with is just just wonderful. And um, so this year they did it virtually, of course, because uh-huh. they couldn't do it uh, live, and it was really great. And I, over the past uh, however many months it's been since COVID, I've been to several conferences um, virtually and workshops and, like, seminars and things. And it is really nice to be in a room with everybody and to do that. But as for someone who is blind, like, there are some real pros to these virtual workshops, and I kind of hope some of it stays afterwards because um, one pro is you don't have to travel to an event that is, so you don't have all the travel time and the staying in a different place and I mean some of that is fun too but I mean if you if you don't aren't able to do that as easily or can't afford to do that mm-hmm. the other thing because it's quite expensive to stay in Toronto and yes. you know all of that or if you um, only want to go to some of it, but you don't, you know, so you say, should I register, should I not register, <laughs> those yeah. kind of things. You don't have to travel, um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is, I'm sure you and I are in the same boat here, is when you get to an event, you don't know the layout of the land, uh-huh. so um, you don't know when you get into a room. How are the tables laid out? Where am I supposed to, like, is it an auditorium? Is it a big room full of round tables to sit at? Um, is there food? Is there coffee, tea? Uh, where are the bathrooms? You know, all of these logistical things that you have to, that sighted people um, Take for automatically know, but we don't. Yeah. Uh, and so not that it, it would prevent me from going to in-person events, but it is a little stressful yes. when you're trying to think of these all of these logistical things and then how to find your workshop room and, you know, all of that kind of uh, logistical uh, situations and yeah. whether you're able to hear. So if you're blind and also have any hearing loss, whether you can hear or if you have any mobility, disabilities, is the room accessible? All of these things are gone from your uh, ability to participate in a workshop yes. if you have um, Internet or uh, in the case of Zoom, you can, you, know, you can also call over a phone line. So, um, so it was really good because it had a, a, a software platform, so you clicked on, you got your own individual link, and you clicked on it, and you ended up, for connecting the dots, you ended up on a sort of a web page, and it had the three streams. So it had employment, education, and technology, and you would op- 
would then um, see what the workshops were coming up for that. And if you wanted to go to one of the one you wanted to go to, when the time came, it says join, and you click on that. You just tap on join, and you get right into the room where the workshop is. So that is uh, that's a real plus. I always I find um, another thing I really like about the virtual ones is you can sometimes see, especially if you're on a Zoom call, the participant list uh, of people that are there. Uh-huh. And you know, you and I, we get to a room, we get to a conference, and there's probably people there we know. In yeah. fact, you, were, you and I could be sitting across the room from each other and not know it yes. for a day or many hours or until we might hear someone's voice that we know. But with this, you can actually look to see who's there. Uh-huh. You know, like you could you could read the list of the oh Devin's there. I want to say hi to Devin, or I want to, you know, like I, I must remember to to email Devin or text Devin or something and say oh I was I was in this workshop with you, which is something blind people can't easily do, right? Because yep. you have to make you have to unless you happen to come across someone, you don't always know who's there. That's right. So. Um, in this particular thing, once you clicked on join, you were in a Zoom session, mm-hmm. but it was a webinar, so you couldn't unmute yourself or anything oh. like that. So there was a little Q&A box so you could type questions as the presentation was going, which is also another handy thing because, you know, when you raise your hand in a and a you don't know how long to keep it up, whether to leave it up, whether to I know. put it down, yeah. whether someone saw it, you know, as opposed to in here, you could just type the question into the chat, uh, or you can raise your hand. There was a button to raise your hand. So if there was a Q&A, you could raise your hand virtually, and then once they got to your name, they would say your name, and then you knew it was you, and you could get unmuted and ask your question. So all of that logistical visual stuff I find much less stressful in the virtual um, world of conferences. Yes. Um, the other but, thing I found that uh, the last two conferences that I attended <clears throat> recently, one was for Guide Dog Users of Canada, and the uh, next uh, couple of Saturdays were spent... Uh, at a conference for uh, Alliance for Equality of Blind Canadians, I found that a lot more people were able to be there who wouldn't be able to be there normally. Yeah, and that's true. And when you think about it, too, say say someone has a family, they're taking care of a family or taking care of elderly um, relatives or a thing, they might not be able to go, but they could spare, you know, two hours or three hours or one hour or whatever it is to do um, to do those those virtual conferences. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I think I think in future I hope there's going to be some kind of combination. Yes. Uh, for people that can go in person, and then people that can um, be there. Yeah. Uh, like the other thing I like, so they had this uh, this tab there too called. Uh, vendor alley or something like that. Oh, yeah. And they had exhibitors there. Not, not tons of them, but they did. Yeah. So if you tapped on the name of it, you could find out what it was and what they had, what they did. 
Yes. That was handy, and I think you could arrange to have chats with them. I knew who most of them were, so I didn't. I didn't actually do that myself. But the nice thing about that is, so always or almost always at conferences or um, things like that, there's often a place where uh, organizations have tables or vendors have tables, depending on what kind of conference it is you're yes. going to, and. For me, unless uh, I would walk along the row of tables, and then I would say, like, who are you? What are you doing? Yes. <laughs> so kind of thing, because I wouldn't know uh, necessarily who was there. And maybe I'd stand in the line to ask that question, and it might be something that it totally uh, has no interest for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was nice, because I could say, oh, I wonder who's here, and then I could look at the list, and then if there was someone I wanted to see what they did, I could tap on them, and it would describe it, and then it would say, you know, come to our booth when it's open or whatever, and then they could, yeah. you could do that. So that is also a nice uh, feature to have for people, again, that can't go there or... Definitely. Yeah, and... and I hope there's some kind of combination going forward where there's uh, there's the opportunity to attend virtually as well as um, not. So later in October, I'm going to attend the International Council on English Braille, which was supposed to be in London in the springtime, this, this past spring. London, they, England? They held, London, England, yeah. Wow. They held it off. And then they, and I wouldn't have gone to London, England for it because, no. you know, I'm not on their executives or anything like that, but I would like to observe it, like I'd like to go. Right. Um, and so they held off to see if they could hold it in person in the fall, but obviously no. no. So it's going to be virtual, and I registered for that, so that's cool because it's like people from all over the world. So I really encourage people, whatever your interest is, I mean, maybe you're interested in... Uh, I don't know, knitting or mm-hmm. whatever. If you find um, virtual conferences to go to in your area that you are interested in, I really encourage it because this is the time when we can go to things we never would have been able to go to That's true. Um, before, you know. Now, what kind okay. of workshops did you uh, register for? Were they more technology? Um, I did a mix. I did a presentation. Uh, I was part of a presentation that Braille Literacy Canada did about a, a program we have for adult Braille learners, and we could talk about that sometime if you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, I did go to a presentation on Soundscape app by Microsoft, oh, which yes. was very interesting. And I went to one on um, virtual reality and how it could help, you know, people with disabilities. So that that also was pretty fascinating. And I went to one on um, accessible point of sale, point of sale oh, terminals. Yes. So we we both know that that is an issue uh, at the card. Uh, what do you call those things? Terminals, I guess that they pass you in the store for your pin or. Yeah. Now at McDonald's, they have, like, apparently they have um, ones that have no buttons on them that you can order. I mean, I've never tried that, but 
Um, so I went to this little presentation on how they're trying to make these more accessible. Mm-hmm. The two that I went to uh, recently didn't have any uh, exhibits uh, available that you could uh, check out. It was uh, more or less uh, business meetings. Uh, but you did get the chance to say hello to people, and here comes my friend. Hi, how are you? Hi, here we go. Okay, thanks, yeah. Renee. She has taken Frankie for a walk. Oh! So you'll enjoy that. Yeah. Uh, two days ago, um, when they came back, and I knew that they were going to be wet, but they were soaked through because they got caught in the torrent. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, so did you find it as good as an in-person event when you went to your conferences? I, I would say so, uh, except that, you know, you didn't have maybe quite as... Uh, much uh, of an opportunity to stop and have a chat with this one or that one, but uh, at least you knew that they were there, and if you wanted to send an email, uh, you had that opportunity that you could uh, um, do that. Now, voting was a bit of a nightmare. Oh, yeah, I was going to ask you about that, because yeah. we didn't have, in this particular one, we didn't have to vote on anything. No. Well, that was good. Now, the two that I went to, uh, we had to uh, vote and uh, on not only on um, in the election format, but also uh, voting on resolutions in, in the last uh, conference that I went to for AEBC. Um, and it took up an an absolutely ridiculous amount of time. Um, oh. Yeah. How, how did you do it, though? How did you vote? Did you, you didn't put your hands up because then people could see, right? Well, on the second day of the uh, conference um, for AEBC, we did do that uh, for the uh, resolutions because to go to uh, a voting poll and uh, then be transferred to another room where you had to wait until the voting uh, was finished before you could get back into the, the main room. Uh, oh, that took forever and a day. Oh, that's yeah. how they did it. Oh, okay. Goodness, it was frustrating, you know, because you almost felt you were there in the in the breakout room for so long that you were quite sure that they must have forgotten you. Uh, but there was no way to communicate and say, are you coming for us or, or not, you know. Yeah, that's true, because you yeah. can't, there's no intercom from like a breakout room to the, to the bigger room. No, yeah. uh-huh. So that was that was frustrating. Um, uh, quite often, when there's a voting to be done uh, and you're there personally, they might use different shapes of uh, a cardboard or a plastic or metal. And uh, I used to think that took a lot of uh, 
uh, of sorting out and uh, figuring out uh, what who the majority was for and that sort of thing, but it's nothing uh, when you have to go to a breakout room and do your voting. And especially I was on the phone, as uh, we are now, and uh, so you had to go with two scrutineers to a room where you were the only voter and uh, the uh, scrutineers heard you, uh, asked you who you wanted to vote for or uh, what your opinion was on, uh, like, what side of, of a question were you yay or nay. And they had to do that which, with each individual who was there, and it just took. Oh, yes. Honestly, that. it was crazy the time that oh, it took. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so um, on the second day of the AEBC conference, uh, we did uh, a lot of our voting uh, just by raising your hand while you were in the main room. Yeah, and it that's wasn't, a lot better. Yes. Uh, it wasn't uh, private and that sort of thing, but uh, resolutions, it doesn't matter as much with resolutions as it does when you're voting for individuals, you know. And that's well. what we did for uh, Braille Literacy Canada, because I was at their ADM, and that was mm-hmm. how, yeah. like, the resolu- like any of the resolutions, they were sent out ahead of time, yes. so you just voted on that. Yeah. And um, so that was pretty fast, but I could see uh, if you had to go in a different room and something and yeah um it took so long there were 17 resolutions at the aebc conference um to deal with and we we dealt with three so we're going to have to have a continuance on october 24th oh you're gonna have another meeting yeah and i think this time what we're going to do is we're going to discuss a resolution for, say, 20 minutes. And then um, during the next two weeks, you're going to have the uh, possibility of uh, uh, sending in your vote. Oh, that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I that think does that. make sense. Yes. Mm-hmm. So each resolution we'll have uh, about 20 minutes and then we'll move on to the next one and we'll have the next uh, few days to decide okay I'm going to vote this way or that way and it will also uh, get rid of the need for proxy voting which uh, can take up a lot of time too. Yeah, I guess it's just figuring out all of these processes for organizations Yes. Um, but again, like you said, more people tend to come. Yeah. If it, if they don't have to travel or can't afford to travel or can't physically travel as easily as they, you know, for yeah. whatever reason. Yes. Um, I think that does make things more equal for people to get involved in those things. Too. Yes. Yes, I do too. Yeah. Yeah. And eventually, as time goes by, we will iron out these wrinkles so that things go very smoothly the first time. This time it was uh, a lot of trial and error, but uh, uh, the next time 
um, will have all of those things kind of sorted out in their minds and we can say, now this is what we're going to do, you know. Well, the other thing that I could see happening too could be that the platforms start to realize, like Zoom or someone, you know, whatever other ones, Google Meet or like whatever those different ones are. Yeah. They start to understand that people are holding these type of meetings, uh, AGMs and things where they need to vote, uh, because it may be a long time before people can go back in person. Oh, yes, it may. Um, I mean, even if we don't have much virus around and and locally you could get together. Um, in person. So the travel would not you know, for a long time, people will not want to travel or yeah. somewhere else. So they may put things in their platforms that help people do that, um, you know, more easily, like vote on things. And, yeah. like, maybe there's a, an anonymous vote, like not a, not a poll, but, you know, that yes. only the host can see who? the result of it or who, yeah. who voted that or or maybe they don't even know who voted it. Maybe they just, it just tallied it and said, you have seven for this and eight for... I don't know, because I imagine a lot of organizations are starting to do those type of things. So yes. the platforms, I mean, they've had to adjust themselves too, so they may well adjust themselves and make mm-hmm. more tools in there for those kind of things, I would think. Now, talking about platforms like that, uh, do you know uh, whether a lot of them are accessible, uh, like blind person friendly or not? I know that uh, one um, uh, uh, platform that uh, the uh, podcasting uh, organization here, Peterborough Independent Podcasters, wants to meet on is called Jitsi. And, I have not heard of that. Uh huh. And then oh. another one is is uh, Discord. Which, oh, I haven't heard of that one. Either. Yeah, it's sort of like a hangout thing, you know. Okay. Yeah. I do know that Google Meet is accessible, or whatever they're calling it now. They keep changing its name. Oh, really? So for a while, mm-hmm. it was called Google Hangout or something. Oh, Google. Yeah. I think it's called Google Meet, mm-hmm. and it it seems very accessible. Like I had a meeting. I went to a meeting on that because that was what the, they were using. I didn't try setting one up myself or doing anything fancy. I just joined the meeting, but I saw there was a chat there. You could, I think you could raise your hand or I'm not sure. Um, so that seemed very accessible. I've heard Microsoft Teams is pretty accessible too. What's that called? And Microsoft Teams, I think it's Teams, T-E-A-M-S. Teams. Yeah, yeah, I think it's called Microsoft Teams. Uh-huh. And also, of course, Zoom is accessible on all platforms, and they try to keep the accessibility um, built in. Well, they're pretty good about that. But yes. They seem to listen uh, if there's any concerns about that, um, including Zoom is accessible on the Mac and on the PC, mm-hmm. and JAWS has a lot of Zoom scripts. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah and so it's, and I think NVDA just got some Zoom scripts now, too. Oh, that's cool. And on iOS and Android, there it's accessible. So I think, now I've heard that some of the other ones, some of the older ones, like GoToMeeting, and I can't remember, there was 
there were a few, and the ones you said I don't know about those. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, now Skype seems to have、uh, lost a lot of popularity. Why do you suppose that is? I don't know, but I I feel like when they sold it, I guess when they sold it to Microsoft. Like when Skype itself had it, it was really good, and everyone used it. Yes. And it and the sound quality was good, but I found after they sold it, like the sound quality of Skype is not good. No. Compared to other things. Right. And and I I just find like I think I guess it's still accessible, but for whatever reason, because it was the one, and then it it sort of I don't know how it fell by the wayside, but yeah. You know, was the one that everybody used、yes. all the time. Although、um, I find that when I do my reports with、uh, accessibility, AMI, yeah. yeah, incorporated, they want to use Skype rather than the phone. But my、I、internet services, well, you hate it, yeah. I、um, do. Yeah. And when I do my reports, because a lot of times I say they drop, it drops. Yes, drops a lot. So I, lately, I think they've been just calling me because it didn't seem to work. Yeah, yeah.、You、they、know. have to、uh, call me as well because my internet service is so terrible. Anyway,、I'm、sorry、oh, about that. Yeah. But it is. <laughs> yeah. Anyway,、uh, this wasn't what we intended to talk about, but this has been very interesting. So, if anyone out there has.、Uh, Uh, something that they would like、uh, Kim and me to talk about.、Um, by all means, let us know. And、uh, Kim,、uh, just to、uh, kind of wind up,、uh, we never really get talking a lot about the organization that you're with. So I, I think we should finish with you、uh, kind of、um, making sure that、uh, that I'm not just calling you at home and that sort of thing. Yeah.、Um, the other thing I, I would like to say too is, even if you have something you want us to discuss, that's great. But also, if you have tips for us about accessibility of services、yeah. in this case, or anything you want to say about, you know, if if someone does know about the accessibility of certain platforms or how they find it, going to these things. If you hate it, if you disagree with us and hate it, and you can't. Only want to go to something once it's in person, you know.、Um, yeah. Let us know that too. That's great.、Um, so, I,、uh, you mean how to get in touch with me? Yeah. Well, like you're with、uh, a wing of、uh, the CCB, the Canadian Council、yeah. of the Blind, which so, our listeners I, are kind of familiar with because Insight Peterborough is a project of the local chapter of CCB. But you're a, a wing unto yourself, aren't you? Um. Yeah. So what I I run at CCB is something called Get Together with Technology Program, GTT program for short, and、um, it is、uh, run through CCB, but it has many many、uh, facets to it. So we have lots of、uh, group calls and. Individual support. So maybe next time we could just talk in detail about about it and what we do and how people can get information because it is that can be kind of a long discussion of the various things that are going on. Okay, and、uh, if you have a, a suggestion for 
what you'd like Kim and me to talk about or you have a viewpoint that you'd like to express, you can certainly send an email to InsightPeterborough at gmail.com. Thank you very much, Kim, for doing Thank this. Thank you, Devin. <laughs> so take good care, and we'll talk next week. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye for now. <laughs>